Sedona. Good to have you back. Yes. Great how to was, be here. How was quarantine? You know, it was pretty uneventful. Sat at home, watched a lot of Netflix. Any anything in particular? Uh, I watched a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah. No. That's a good show. It's about bikers. Okay. Yeah, actually I'm such a big city person. Welcome to Boardroom Podcast, Episode Four. I'm your host Jake here with Coil, also known as also known as Collier, and finally back after two episode break, Jonah Ferg Ferguson. Yes, yes, sir. He's finally back. We We're have happy him back. Have him back. We've had some guest hosts and some guests without him, but it was never the same. This week with Mr. Mr. Ferg Ferguson, we got some fun topics. We're going to talk college football. Might be a little bit of yelling, some debates for sure, because we all have some very different opinions. Talk about albums. It's In the past month or so, we've had a lot of really big album drops that are pretty quality albums. Indeed. This time of year, we like to call it outdoor season. You spend most of your time outdoors. There's a lot of fun things to do out there, hunting, football, all that stuff. Then we're going to cap it off with the scam of the year. Also, don't skip ahead because you might miss a brand new surprise segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Boardroom. It's time to talk about college football. It's that time of year. I love college football. Anyone else here love college football? I love college football, but I have one question. Yeah. Okay. From a tech fan standpoint, how can you love college football? Well, I don't – I watch the Texas Tech game, but I just like college football in general because it's so many teams playing. I watch, I watch the Tech game. If they lose, I just kind of don't more care. Often than not. Yeah, shut up. If yeah. they win, I'm very excited. I'm super happy, which, which is less doesn't often happen than that much. <laughs> um, but I just like watching it because there's, like, so many games, and you see, like, especially, like, non-conference play. Like, there's some really interesting yeah. games that happen. Then we get to the bowl games. I always like bowl games are always yeah bowl always games great. are really fun. I always like watching those and like trying to see how many of the winners I can pick. I'm not very good at that, but uh, we got to see our first week of college football last weekend, uh, and we saw a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, a lot of really interesting things we weren't expecting. Uh, Collier, what was your favorite game from last week? Definitely Tulane and Oklahoma for sure. Um, Tulane, I was I turned it on as soon as it started, and Tulane got an early touchdown uh, in the first quarter. A uh, little bit uh, surprised, um, and they showed out the whole game. Um, I was like, like, I was expecting Oklahoma to win. They did, um, but Tulane definitely showed out. They had a lot of uh, aggressive moments, and they were, they really were dogs that day for sure. Um, their quarterback looked great, and um, yeah, so that was a great game for sure. Jonah, my biased answer is Texas ULL, obviously, but my non-biased answer, I'm gonna agree with Coyer, um, Tulane, OU. What's <laughs> 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 It was just natural. <laughs> I said Coyer. Coyer. Okay, natural. so Tulane OU. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I <laughs> had to agree with that. Tulane Coyer. OU was that okay. was that was just a great game. It was the first Coyer, time. Coyer, it was Coyer. the first time that Tulane had scored more than seventeen <laughs> points against an AP top five team. Speaking of OU somehow being an AP top five team. Let's talk about what do you think is the most overrated team right now in college football. I'm saying OU because they're always they always.
always get ranked top five every year. They, I mean, they usually come back with a decent team. But watching them only win by five points to unranked Tulane and nearly losing in the end there, I don't think they deserve being a top five team. I just think they're super overrated. I agree. I don't think OU deserves a top five ranking. That's the one thing that us that we can us agree can on. agree on that we don't like OU. Te- Texas fan and a Texas Tech fan, we don't like OU. We don't like each other, but we don't like OU. Call, call I like your Tech. It's a free win. Hey, yeah, funny. Shut up. Okay, okay Collier. Honestly, like, I I don't. Honestly, yeah, OU. I think I think they don't. They're not going to be top five by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Hot take. I think they'll be like six or seven. So, I think OU. I can't really. It's hard to think right now off the top of my head a team that's overrated. I think. Um, hot take. I don't think Clemson's going to be top three this year. I, I agree with that. So, I totally um, agree with that. In an overrated, like it depends how you look at overrated. So if you're thinking like Clemson is going to be one or two, I think I will call them overrated for this season. Mm-hmm. If if people are saying they're going to be one or two, but if they're saying like four or five, four or like five, I, I can see that. that. I don't see yeah. them as a top three team this year. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was also one of my favorite games, Georgia and Clemson. Uh, low scoring game, and but they a lot of defense that game. Such a high, um, uh, like. Uh, they got a lot of views on that game. They had a giant number of people watching that yeah. game. Yeah, I think this is going to be a season that we see uh, that we don't see like the usual top three teams. Like Alabama will be number one. No, Alabama. Uh, that that's yeah. clear. But I don't think Clemson's going to be top three this year. I don't. Georgia has a real shot. This I year, think I Georgia think. has Georgia a real shot. Georgia and Alabama have a there's real is, shot. Yeah, here. there's going to be a couple uh, schools in there that are competing for that third. There will like be, that, maybe be that some third schools we'll you see. weren't expecting that uh-huh. will be competing. I can. Yeah. So there's definitely some schools. Texas A&M has a chance. I think that's. I think a and Good dark but horse yeah, team there. So, um, I think OU definitely a little overrated. Uh, Clemson depends how you look at it. Mm-hmm. I think Clemson's a little overrated for sure. So yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. And watch it. I watched that whole Alabama Miami game, and that was just, just I like Alabama just ran straight mm-hmm. through them. Yeah, like, it was just Al- it just shows their dominance. Like they're just insane. Like Alabama in the past ten years has more championships than most colleges have. You can't expect anything less from Bama. No, Nick Saban's just insane. I mean, he's making he's making all that money. He's doing really good, Alabama, and he's still and he's still like, I mean, he has all these other like sponsorships and stuff outside of it. That he's making all money from. I don't think he's leaving Bama anytime soon. No, either. I think he. I think when he retires, he'll retire there. I think I think he would go down as There's greatest no college he football will. coach. I though. think he already almost has. As of right now, doing gone down like already, you can say he's the greatest college football. I'd say I'd say he oh, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think the rest of his career is just him solidifying. Yeah, that. for sure. Like he's he's just insane. Alabama's been just really good these past couple years or forever, really. Like since since Nick Saban got there, Alabama's been even more like top tier than they were before. Yeah, like they're really good. And then uh, like you mentioned, A and M as kind of a sleeper team or a mm-hmm. dark horse team. If we were picking dark horse teams, but I think that's what we're gonna do. I'm I'm saying A and M on okay. that because I, because I watched a little bit of that game and they they picked it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. They they looked like going back not not full Johnny Football A yeah. and M, but getting mm-hmm. close to that point. Yeah. Collier, you would you say the same for A and M, or you have a different A and M for sure? But team? I do have two other teams actually that I want to okay. talk about. Um, one of them being Cincinnati, being oh ranked yeah. there at eight right now. Like, th- everyone knows they're good, but, like, I think people are, like, looking at the ranks and they're like, oh, yeah, this team, this team, Cincinnati, and then they're just kind of skipping over Cincinnati mm-hmm. a little bit. They're going to just be slowly rising one spot. 
I think they could be a top Until five they team. They just sneak in. They just sneak in. They might be in the. I mean, I don't know. They could be number five I could by see the end of the year. Um, we could. I mean, it's gonna be tough, but I could see them. Another team, Arizona State, oh at yeah. ranked twenty five right now. Um, that's another team that they're just gonna be like, they're gonna like after this week. You know, they'll go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go up a little bit. We could see them at like maybe fifteen. I could see them as a so fifteen. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Jonah. This team isn't really a dark horse, so to say, but I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on them. That is Iowa State. Returning, uh, they're that. returning mm-hmm. 20 of 22 starters. Brecy Hall, best running back in college football. Charlie Kolar, top tight end in college football and one of the top defenses in college football. So I think they have a real shot this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Iowa State. And one thing that people don't give the Big 12 enough credit for when it comes to sport. Like, everyone gives mm-hmm. Big 12 credit in basketball and baseball. Yeah. Like, we can all agree that they excel in that, yeah. like, mainly. But mm-hmm. football, it's typically been, like, they've had, like, one good team. And that's it's e- it's usually either OU or, or Texas. Texas. Yeah. And, like, Iowa State and Kansas State kind of sneak in there every Oklahoma once in a while. State, but yeah. Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah, TCU usually TCU has a pretty has good team. TCU has have a couple good teams. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen great quarterbacks come out of there. Andy yeah. Dalton, um... I can't think of any more because I don't like TCU. Yeah. But, uh, like, the Big 12 can produce in football. I think this will be kind of an off year because, like, we see, like, Texas and OU, they're both trying to leave. They're mm-hmm. go, they're trying to go to the SEC. I think, I think that kind of motivates the other Big 12 teams. It's like, okay, you think you're better than us. Yeah. We're going to step it up a notch. Mm-hmm. And, like – uh, we kind of saw that with the uh, Tech Texas Tech Houston game. Mm-hmm. I watched that game. I had been outside for a little bit. I walk in, and I asked my dad what I missed, and he showed me the score. It was like twenty-one nothing or something. And I was like, "Well, what happened?" He's like, "Well, Tech hasn't played offense." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's funny." He's like, "No, no, for real. They played like two minutes." Mm-hmm. And then what really started this drive for that comeback was I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was near the end of the second half or the first half. And uh, Texas Tech defensive back had an interception where he basically did a backflip mm-hmm. yep. uh, to catch it. It like pat like a little past the logo. It was like a thirty forty yard pass backflip to catch it. It was insane. And then um, the rest of that game, they were just firing on all cylinders. It was just a really good game. Yeah, I watched that. Opinion. I watched that whole game. Tech was playing like some dogs. Like um, mm-hmm. that after that, they got the onside kick back. Houston did. Oh yeah. But that once was they got once they got a little bit of motivation, mm-hmm. they were it was their game for the rest of the mm-hmm. time, pretty much. Um, the linebackers looked great. Um, Eric Ezukama, he's a wide receiver for Tech. He was a, mm-hmm. he was so good. Caught almost every deep ball that was thrown to him. So um, great game for sure. So that was definitely a great game. I think Tech showed that they. You know, you in in the past, like Jonah said at the beginning, they're not really a football school. They've had some great players come through there: Michael Crabtree, mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes. Obviously, yeah. uh, I think they had a lineman play for the Cowboys last year. Yeah, he was okay. He yeah. was okay. They've had some receivers. Mm-hmm. Hudson Graham's about to be out there. He's gonna he's gonna be a dog. Yeah. Shout shout out Hudson Graham. Shout out Hut. Yeah. Um. Another game I want to talk about: Florida State Notre Dame. Did you guys watch that game? That game was. Literally down to the wire. I watched Mackenzie about Milton's a dog. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that was that's the comeback story of the year. Yeah, I watched like the second half, so um, I was going for Florida State. Yeah, I was going for uh, yeah, I was going for Florida State too. Mm-hmm. But the I think the best part of that was the interview at the end when the coach said that Notre Dame, Notre Dame needed to be executed. Yeah, <laughs> and yep. then he went um actually no dang it like he just like stuttered with his words he's like crap what did I say? <laughs> I think that was just that was just a good game in general. That was a 
that's how you start off college football. That was yeah. a great weekend. Yeah, was we had a lot of great games. Not too many upsets, but a lot of great mm-hmm. games. And I'm ready to see like what this season has to hold. Like this is a really good. It's, this has a potential to be a great season for this, sure. This it's all has laid potential out. for that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about. We were kind of on the subject of how A and M is doing pretty good. Like how they look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then in the Cowboys game on Thursday, Mike Evans. He's a kid. He was born in Galveston. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a tattoo that says VOI, born on the island, mm-hmm. um, which is just like an actual thing they say there. But so yeah. he went to A and M. He was a good receiver at A and M, and I see A and M's doing good. Mike Evans in that game did awful. awful. Yeah, I think he had like two catches, maybe one. One. He had one catch. He's on my fantasy team. He got me like he got me like two points. Yeah. Like it, it made me mad, but he. And I was saying it's kind of like a situation where one can't be good while the other is also good. So when A&M's having a good year, Mike Evans is going to suck and vice versa. And I think it would be funny if that's how that played out this year. Yeah. Exce- instead of like season-wide, what if it went like week by week? Mm-hmm. Like we see like say this week A&M gets just blown out and then like the next game Mike Evans goes off for like, I don't know, like something insane set, like 15 catches and like four or five touchdowns. Yeah. Like something crazy. I guess it just depends, like, uh, you know, you have Tom Brady at quarterback, and you have, like, three other – two other great uh, wide receivers. And there's some other wide receivers besides, like, the main three that were good, too. But, like, Antonio Brown Antonio played Brown great. Antonio Brown played great. I don't like him, but he played great. Yeah, you can see the chemistry, with, like, with Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. especially displayed on that game. So, I mean, it's just – I think it's one of those things that just kind of changes every week who's the main target for that game. So Right, uh, which, I mean, they're just stacked with players. That yeah. entire team is – which um, I saw a stat. Let me see if I can find it. It's about Tom Brady. It was in his first 150 starts. It's it's a weird stat. So his first 150 starts, I believe he was 115 and yeah, 115 and thir- no, 116 and 34. In his second 150 starts, he was 114 and 36. Mm-hmm. He uh, like there the difference in that like the amount of years that's a difference in between those starts that he's still that good. Yeah. I mean, and we I mean, he was a great player in college, transferred through like he's just a really good he's just a really good player in general, which uh we can see that college football isn't everything cuz he was a great player in college, but then he well, he was like near the last pick, 6 6 rounds, I think. 6 rounds, yeah. He elevated. He was the last quarterback pick. It it ele- like we see that you c- college football can have the opposite effect to the NFL. College mm-hmm. football can be, you know, we're actually preparing these kids to the NFL, and you see them at that level where it's like, okay, they're ready to play. Like yeah. players you've seen like that, like Derrick Henry mm-hmm. was ready for that. Uh, Zeke was ready for that his rookie year. Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And then we've seen the opposite effect. Players get in there that were great in college that weren't as good as the NFL. Johnny Manziel, Marcus Mariota. Dwayne Haskins. Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, who was that third-string quarterback who played for Ohio State? Uh, he was there oh. the year they won the national championship against Oregon. JT Barrett. No. Um, I know there's like the three of them, right? There's he like was three the he was the pick. He was the pick right after Dak. I know who you're talking draft. about. Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones. Which he was. I mean, I thought he was gonna be great. I think he was the fourth string for whoever he got picked by, and he did anything good, which. I think it's just interesting to see how these players play out. Like a player that I hope has the has the good effect where he's still going to be good is Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I yeah. feel like he'll actually excel because he's a tight end build and he's super fast too. Like he's crazy fast. He's strong. Like 
He's just crazy. We're kind of shifting into some NFL talk. And I think we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, it's time for our brand new segment. Welcome back. It is time for a brand new segment. We are going to start a five-minute timer. And we are going to talk about Cowboys versus Buccaneers on Thursday. And go. So, I watched I watched most of the game. I think mm-hmm. I watched uh, second quarter on. Okay. It's a very interesting game. That's what I'll say. I think the Cowboys showed that we can actually do a little bit of something this year. Still have an awful secondary yeah. on defense. We should have – I Micah Parsons actually did some good stuff in this game. I think it would have been smarter to draft a cornerback, but that's just me. Collier, I know you're a big Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. You got any – you got any opinions? Okay, so first off, the defense, um, definitely better than last year. I think if we had last year's oh, yeah. defense, it would probably be like 40-something to whatever we oh, scored. Oh, we wouldn't have scored. Um, <laughs> but I think Trevon Diggs, actually, you oh said the secondary. Oh, my gosh, he played um, so okay. – he he's so our best secondary player so by far. If you, I think if you don't hear the corners name that much, it's it, they're doing good. Because he I was just locking that. down people the whole night. Oh, he um, was doing good. I believe um, – so I think he was on uh, Mike Evans, and Mike Evans only had one catch for most of the night. Um, he played great. Um, but this, yeah, the the secondary didn't look that great, but the defense looked a lot better for sure. Offense looked like they could do a lot. They were passing pretty much the mm-hmm. whole night. Dak had almost Zeke. fifty throws. I mean, like yeah, Zeke, Zeke, Zeke did not really Zeke, had the ball, but throwing offense looked great. Dak had yeah. almost fifty throws, and he did a really great job throwing the Dak ball. Dak looked really good, mm-hmm. especially coming back from injury for sure. So yeah, I've got Dak's stats here. He was forty-two for fifty-eight, four hundred and three passing yards with three touchdowns. Only threw one interception. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about our defense, my favorite moment of the game was the defensive play. It was we had just missed a field goal, which, good Lord, Greg Zerlin made me so oh mad. Like, I saw a meme that perfectly described it. It was where you're trying to kick straight left mm-hmm. when you're playing uh, Madden. Madden, yeah. And that's what it looked like. But we missed that field goal, and so the Bucks get in on, like, the 20. And, like, first play, fumble recovery to Marcus Lawrence, and they – and they do the Deion Sanders primetime mm-hmm. run yeah. all the way over to two Cowboys fans in this entire section. And they sit there, and they're just cheering with them the yeah, whole time. That's awesome. It was awesome. And I think, like, I think then we scored. A couple plays later, we got an interception. And then we scored again. It did something very similar. Which, which my least favorite part of that entire game was our kicking. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. was, I was just hoping that Dan Bailey would, like, rise up somewhere and he would come back out and be, like, primetime Dan Bailey. Yeah. Jonah, I know you didn't watch much of the game, but do you have any thoughts from what you did see? I thought Cooper and Lamb both looked really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mason, who was on here two weeks ago in our uh, fantasy league, he had CeeDee Lamb on his bench, and CeeDee yeah. Lamb had 23 fantasy points. Yeah. It was hilarious. But Amari Cooper, 13, 13 catches for 139 yards, two touchdowns. That's really good for him. I mean, our passing game was on a different level. And, I mean, they didn't really utilize Gallup much because of injury, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he was still averaging nine yards per catch. Yeah. And Pollard also looked really good. Pollard looked better than Zeke did, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. He had yeah. 29, 29 yards receiving. Averaging about mm-hmm. seven yards. I hope to I see more of Pollard this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul. I think Pollard will be solid. I th- yeah. Well, I think also what I liked about that game is we saw the return of the fullback a little bit. Yeah. When yeah. We saw the Bucks put in their three hundred pound defensive lineman or whatever mm-hmm. and just run up the middle. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, 
I saw somebody tweet something about uh, the Browns do that with Miles Garrett. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the Browns fullback tweeted, said, come on, man, just stop trying to put me out of a job. <laughs> Miles Garrett would be a good fullback. But I think big things for Dallas defense is we need secondary. Mm-hmm. Maybe make some trades. Yeah. Make Trayvon Diggs make some calls somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I, he's going to lead our secondary. Demarcus Lawrence is going to lead our line. Which Micah is Parsons is the future yeah. of – Micah Parsons and Van Der Esch are the future of our, yeah. like, interior linebackers. As long as Van Der Esch can stay healthy, he's a great back, uh, linebacker. He's, he's sure. that next Sean Lee guy. Yeah. He needs to step into that Sean Lee role. Mm-hmm. And then talking offense, Dak Prescott, great game, comeback game. Mm-hmm. I think he could be potentially comeback, comeback player, player of the year. year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we see the Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb kind of – the mentorship going one on two there. Punch. Yeah. Huh? One two punch. Yes, it's it's really because now Dak has all these targets. Mm-hmm. One thing I would like to see us work on is our offensive line. Tyron Smith, our our veteran on the line, he's my favorite. He's my favorite lineman. He's mm-hmm. part of that you know best lineman in the country mm-hmm. team, all that stuff. And he he had like three or four holds late game that set us back. And now you have Lyle Collins out with a potential suspension. I know. So and Zach Martin Zach has Martin's COVID, out. but he should be b- back for the Chargers. Zach Martin I should be back for the Chargers. And that is all the time we have. And that was a good five minute segment. We're gonna do some more of these in the future. Hope you all enjoyed that. We will be right back to talk about albums. So, surprise, mid-episode shout-out to Gabe Turner. We mentioned him in the first episode. Yesterday, he was at work. He listened to all three of our episodes, and he kept texting me. And he's he's a huge supporter of us right now. He says he believes we could actually take this somewhere and do something good with this. So, I'd like to say thank you to that for, all, for his support through that. Um, and that I really hope he enjoys this episode. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Boardroom Podcast. We're going to be debating and talking about albums. This month, we've seen two giant album drops, Donda and CLB. And I would like to get our opinions on it from Mr. Coyle first. Okay, so Donda, I think, is better than CLB this, this for this month. Um, I think Donda was a lot more creative. I think Donda had better just people on the album. Uh, I mean, the weekend, was, the weekend with Lil Baby on Hurricane was, like, genius. Um... So I think that that the o- overall album it was just a lot different. It was a different album. CLB I feel like was a bit more some some of the same things that we've seen a little bit. I just feel like Donda. I mean, if it, there was some different things, um, I just feel like Donda was a lot more creative. It had a lot more to it. It had a lot more story to it. Um, it was built up a lot better. I d- and we did wait a long time for it, but I think I think I was well satisfied by what what was there whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. So I really like Donda a lot. I've heard people say that they don't like Donda, and that's fine. Um, but You're I entitled think to your opinion. I'm is wrong. But your opinion is wrong. But I think Donda is better than Certified Lover Boy at the end of the day. Really, okay. I do. Yeah. So. Okay. All around, I think Donda was the better album, but Certified Lover Boy has some of my, like, favorited songs mm-hmm. on it, such as, um, what's that one? Um. Champagne Poetry, oh. and then I also like Fair Trade with Travis Scott, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Donda uh, Donda also has some very good songs. I like Moon, Hurricane, Jail, obviously all good songs. Yeah. So, I mean, they're all good in their own ways. I mean, 
two different styles of music, mm-hmm. but both great albums. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, my opinion on it. So, <coughs> I also agree. I'd I'd say Donda is the better of the two albums. Donda overall, like musically, much better album. Uh, kind of. I mean, he did less songs, but he added more like musical elements to it, like different things that made the album better than. I think it was poetic. It was yeah. yeah. Poetic is a great way to put it. But uh, the thing with CLB is the songs I liked on it were because they reminded me of Kanye songs. Like, uh, You Only Live Twice with uh, Lil Wayne and Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. That reminded me a lot of um, – oh, what's that, so- what's that uh, song from Late Registration? Uh, Touch the Sky. Touch the Sky. Touch the Sky. Song. Like, the opening, I, they're very similar. Like, the kind of the basic, like, yeah. backbeat to it is very similar. And that's the main reason I like that is because it reminded me of that. And there were g- and they both did have some weird songs on them. Like there was one on CLB where it was just a dude listing cities, and then they had Donda Jam. That was just the intro, though. I mean, the rest of the song was I liked it. It kind of reminded me of Vintage Drake, but mm-hmm. that was the intro. It was a little weird when I first turned it on, but that song has kind of grown on me. I mean, it's TSA, they, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they went a, to TSU. Oh, TSU. They yeah, went a th- this year was just a whole nother level of features on songs. Like I'm looking at the I'm looking at Drake's album right here. Lil Baby, uh, Jay Z, Travis Scott, Future, Twice, uh, Rick Ross, Twenty One Savage, mm-hmm. uh, Ty Dolla Sign, uh, Kid Cudi, like. Like you, like they just went on another level with features yeah. this year. Yeah, and speaking of features, probably my favorite song that's dropped the entire year was "Family Ties," Baby King, featuring Kendrick Lamar. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Have you guys listened to yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. I haven't listened yet. So I'll, I'll listen right after. Yeah, this. a lot of the same uh, features. Like, there's a lot of the same people on um, Donda and as uh, on certified lover boy like yeah. you said little baby was on Lil baby. Yeah. Uh, travis travis was on both yeah. um kid cuddy was on both uh um i'm not sure i needed to hear it again but um Gibeon was on both right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah Gibeon, Gibeon was, was on, both. on both but i think i liked more of the verses on donda mm-hmm. more than i liked them on certified lover boy yeah but i mean with the thing with the donda verses is it was it started out kanye mm-hmm. and then you kind of moved in the features but with uh, CLB, like, uh, the song I said, like, You Only Live Twice, it was literally first verse, Rick Ross, went to a chorus with all of them, then it was Lil Wayne, and then finally at the very end was, like, a little bit of Drake. Yeah, I think my favorite song on CLB was probably Knives Out, was the one with 21 Savage. That mm-hmm. one, I loved that one, loved 21 Savage. It reminded me a little bit more of the older 21 Savage a little mm-hmm. bit, which is something that I actually really like. Actual 21, 21, 21 Savage. 21. Um, 21. 21. 21. But, uh, I think, uh, that that was the only song that on CLB that I'd take over a lot of the other songs mm-hmm. on Donda. If like I don't know, that was a great song. So, but yeah, overall I think Donda's probably a little bit better. I'd say Donda's better, and that's what I've I've heard. I like calling you. I've heard people say that CLB was better. Uh, the the ways I've heard is oh yeah, it blew, it blew Donda out of the water. But I mean, those are people like Collier and I. We both play music. Mm-hmm. Like we know we play instruments and stuff. So like when. I listen to songs. That's what I listen for. Mm-hmm. Is I listen for like the things I can see in the music and yeah. actually see it. Yeah. And like that's why I like Donda more because mm-hmm. I can kind of I can kind of feel it. And I can see kind of how it works with each other and how the parts work mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And that and that's what I like. I think that's what made it a great. What made it a great mm-hmm. album was that happening. And then 
another big album drop. Well, not big album. Big album drop for like small towns that actually know this band. Uh, the band Camino dropped. Uh, well, they said a new album, but if you look at it, it's a bunch of songs that they've pre-released already, yeah. and they just kind of put it together. I'll pull it up here. Uh, Jonah, you've listened to a lot of the band Camino. Yeah. Just kind of, if you were to describe to our audience who has who have not heard the band Camino, what would you describe it as? The band Camino is a little bit of rock, a little bit of pop. It's just like, there's a little bit of everything the band Camino does. I mean, some of their older stuff sort of rock, but they've slowly been moving into like more of the pop area. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, just a little, a little bit for everyone. I mean, yeah. So, um, just looking at the album here, I they added one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven. I think it looks like they added seven new songs to it. But that's, I mean, that's fourteen songs. So that's seven songs they already released before that. I was expecting to maybe get like maybe ten new songs, something like that. Which I mean, they're still pretty good quality. Um, <coughs> I just recently started listening to him, but like I listened to this new album, which is uh just the band Camino. That's the name of the album, and then there's their album from uh two years ago, Try Hard. Yeah. That was eight songs, and all eight of those songs I love. I mean, we got some of their their some of their greatest songs: Daphne Blue, uh, Hush Hush, Far Sighted, uh, See Through, Honest. Like they're all good. I just like them. That was like defining pop pop rock for yeah. them. Collier, I know you recently started listening to them, mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts on their new album? I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't listen to it enough yet to where I could really get a full opinion on it mm-hmm. because I, that's the thing with albums. you got to go through before you I go. you got to listen a Because the more. first time on uh, Don Donda, I was a little bit disappointed, mm-hmm. and I listened to it by the third time. It was like, okay, I loved yeah, it. Okay, yeah, I understand yeah, I what's going album. on here. Yeah, um, but I, it was a good album. I do. It was Something that a type of music that I haven't really listened to in a while, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of a nice little break from uh, the the usual music I listen to. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah. So what we've kind of talked about, like I've seen a pattern developing with us three, is that like as we've done this podcast, we've started developing new tastes in music. Mm-hmm. I'd say like I've started listening to more. I started listening to Donda and CLB. Like I actually paid attention to those. Started listening to it. Carly listened to the band Camino. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, this has been our topic on albums. And when we come back, we will be talking about outdoor season. Welcome back to Boardroom. We're going to talk about fall, which I like to refer to as outdoor season. A lot of outdoor activities, hunting, football. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about high school football today. More specifically, the Gunner Tigers. Because... Jonah was not here when we talked about them originally after their big win over Sunnyvale. Since then, they had a giant blowout win against Pottsboro. And then last night, we watched them play the Whitesboro Bearcats mm-hmm. in possibly the worst officiated game in Texas high school football history. Yeah. Let's get, from somebody who's on the sideline, let's get Mr. Collier's opinion. Yeah, so definitely I was on the sideline the whole time. Didn't even go in the game once, um, which obviously should have happened because it was a tough game for sure. Um, definitely, like, just a lot – post-second half, it was just a lot of, like, three and outs, a lot of punting. By the way, Platt did a great job punting. He did. Um, but they were tough. They were a tough team. They went down to the wire. Like, it was just – it was very tough. 
Um, like they played like it was a tied ball game the whole time, and I have to mm-hmm. respect that a lot. Um, we did too, but it was it was a great game for sure. Um, so what did the locker room look like at halftime? Yeah, it was. I mean, we knew we were up, and we so we kind of went into the same. The the game I think knowing that we were up, but we also knew that we had to we had to do some things a little bit better. I, I think mean, I'm not. Yeah. I mean I'm not. I'm not going to speak for everyone because I mean I'm not going to speak for the people that like played the whole first half. Mm-hmm. Um and but I think I think what the mindset was was we gotta like we gotta play this game out and play tough and we're just gonna try to walk away with the, with this one with the best we can. So not really too much going on in the locker room, but I mean I don't know. Yeah. I mean that's a, that was a tough way to end that first half, especially yeah, considering how stupid that situation was. How they're supposed to start the. Pl- I think Fazell explained this in an interview he did. There's sp- there was a timeout called by Weisbro, two seconds left in the half. Go back out there, the official signals to start the game clock, and the press guy accidentally starts or er, start the play clock. The uh, the announcer accidentally starts the game clock. The the horn goes off. Logan kicks the field goals like what like forty five yards or something mm-hmm. like that. Goes in, great kick. He made it. And I was like, okay, yeah, sweet, three points. It went off before, and Whitesboro, their entire team leaves the field. Yeah, and it's literally just Coach Bazell and three or four. Was it three refs? Mm, yeah, three. It was three, three, or, four, three yeah. or four refs, and he's talking, and he's still confused about it. Like there was no reason for all that to happen. They finally get it figured out. Whitesboro comes back mm-hmm. on the field, and then Logan shorts that one, yeah. which it, we should have gotten the three points. Horrible situation. And how I said the worst officiate game I've seen in a while. I think I know it started before this, but I think where it started was I watched Ethan Sloan. He broke a tackle, and he, he was going left, and he ran back right, mm-hmm. and he's going. And he goes for a touchdown on this play. And when he's going, he's about to get tackled. Ashton Bennett lays down the nastiest block mm-hmm. I have seen in the four years that I've been, like, super paying attention to football. Flattened the dude. And the second he did it, the ref threw a flag. Yeah. No yeah. reason to throw a flag. Clean block. Ethan goes, scores a touchdown, gets called back. And from there, we didn't score in the, the rest of that first half. And we only scored in the fourth quarter later. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there were – I mean, it'd be – it was like Collier said, it'd be three play, three plays, and then punt. It'd be we get a first down. Like Sal mm-hmm. would have like a great run. Yeah. First down. No, there's there's some penalty in the backfield. Yeah. And then it'd be a called back, and we'd have to punt. Yeah. Like dumb things like that. I also would say our offensive line, we had a lot of false starts. Mm-hmm. But there were all there was also with all those false starts came taunting from the Whitesboro team, which they didn't get any unsportsmanlike conduct calls, right? They get one or two. They might have got one. I think they got one, but Cannon Limburg got one running off the field. Yeah. Which he was just saying something running off the field. You can't. I mean, that's just a dumb call to make. Yeah. That's just a ref getting his feelings hurt. And then like the entire time, every time we're getting a, a false start call, Whitesboro's defensive line is doing the signal for false start mm-hmm. right in front of our guys as we're walking back. Refs aren't saying anything. And I'm saying this now. It's just sad to watch a team pay the refs and still lose a game. I know. It was. It really was. The worst officiating that I think I've ever seen. That's that was just awful calls. The last time I saw a call that bad was Canadian twenty eighteen, which we were. I think it was Mitchell Brewers playing linebacker, and they had uh they have a phrase that they'll say when they need to know to shift over, and Mitchell Brewer says it, and the ref throws a flag and says something like, 
obscure signals or something like distracting signals or something for Mitchell saying that. I think he was trying to get the line to jump. Mm-hmm. And I think Canadian went on to score. Like it was like stupid calls like that was the definition of that White Spoon game. Yeah, I've never seen so many flags thrown. Saying Jonah, you have any thoughts on that game? I mean, it was just a pretty ugly game. I mean, it's still early in the season though, so mm-hmm. a lot of places to improve. But I mean, it was just it was an ugly game all around. I mean, neither team looked very good, but we'll pick it up. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely pick it up. We got Pilot Point coming up this week. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big game. Uh, I know Pilot Point's looking pretty good. They did lose uh, this week. Another thing to talk about with high school football, speaking of the Canadian Wildcats, they lost a game to Bushland, yeah. 49-42 in overtime, mm-hmm. which that's big for us. That's the first game Canadians lost since they lost to Gunner in 2019, yeah. which that's – that's just crazy to think about. I feel like they're probably feeling the exact same way we did when we lost to Newton in 2017 because that was our first loss in about that same time frame, maybe a little longer. And uh, that's just that's just a big I mean, that's just a big loss for them because they could have two different reactions: either okay, now we're gonna go downhill for a second, or okay, now we have another motivation to get back up. So. I think I think this will be a good year for Gunner though, mm-hmm. especially if we go against Canadians. Seeing Canadian lose a game, they lost a bunch of seniors last year. We lost n- basically nobody. We lost Mitchell Brewer and Cade uh, Roller. Martin. Cade Roller and also. Cade Roller. Martin. Mm-hmm. Martin. And yes. like they were three key parts of the team, but we had people who could go back in. Yeah. For them, like we've seen our running game this year has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Ethan Sloan, uh, Saul, uh, Ashton. Ashton had some good breakaway runs yesterday in that game. Uh, and then our receiving our receiving game has been okay this year. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's been. It's I we're not known as a passing team, mm-hmm. so no. I mean you don't you don't really expect us to have like the best passing team in the state. Yeah, I mean we got Cole on the outside, but I think you're gonna see. I think we will see a lot more of both like the the slot being mm-hmm. coming the to slots the slots do work, a lot. So. Like Ivy's considered a mm-hmm. slot, right? Yeah. So like Ivy Hellman, Ethan Sloan, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys. Like our sl- our slots, like they'll catch those little screen passes and they can run forever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they do. But I love high school football season. You get to the outside. About week three is when it starts to cool off a little bit and you're not just dying mm-hmm. from how hot it is. Uh, week four is when it's like, okay, I can I might need to bring a hoodie for this yeah. game. Like, I like it when it gets to that point where you got to wear a hoodie yeah. and a jacket over that. You got a beanie on. Like, mm-hmm. I like when we get to play some December football. And I, I Seeing this team over three games, I think we'll get to play some December football. Yeah. I think this should be a good year for the team. Mm-hmm. Any any final thoughts on high school football for this year? Anything you guys have seen? No I saw it in six A North Shore lost to. Oh, actually, yeah, I, I didn't see that. Think who they lost to, but they lost, and that was a that's a big loss too. North Shore's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, being three A football, being a three A football town, we don't really. I mean, we care about like the six A football teams, but like not nearly as much as we care about three A football. Yeah. No. Which I mean, we're just. The player we like we like how like it's small schools, not huge stadiums, and like you know every player on the team, all that stuff. That's what I love about three A football and high school football. I don't think I would enjoy it as much if I went to a six A school. I enjoy it a little bit, but not nearly as much. I agree. Unless I was at Austin Westlake, that's that's about it. Yeah. So that has been high school football talk. We'll be right back to talk about the scam of the year. Welcome back to 
our final segment of Boardroom Episode Four. It's been a great it's been a great episode so far. We got the return of Ferg. He's he's been talking more. We we had a lot of we had a lot of comments about that in the first episode. So glad to, glad to have you back. And this is a topic that we wanted to hold for you because we feel like you'd have some good takes on this. This is the scam of the year, otherwise known as Bishop Sycamore. The school that may or may not be real. I am still convinced that they are a fake thing. I don't think they're actually real. Here's so I have I have an article about them pulled up right now. Uh, so it basically they claim to be a high school. They don't have a physical address, but they have but they have ske- they scheduled all these games against powerhouse high schools across the country. But then we saw how bad they were <laughs> against IMG, and it just kind of took off. That everyone says they're a fake school for a while. It showed that Kanye was their coach for a little bit. All these other things. So, Jonah, what are your thoughts on Bishop Sycamore in this thing? I think, I think it's interesting because at first, after the uh, game aired on ESPN against mm-hmm. IMG, everyone was like, oh, yeah, these guys suck. There was no way they were a real school. But the quarterback, I forgot his name, he recently came out and stated he is the oldest player at 19. They're legit school. They're online. And everything's legit. But after now that they've hired a new head coach, he's come out and say they are not a real school. They're like a post grad academy that plays football, and they're all like post graduate high school mm-hmm. graduates. And so it's just like it's a really interesting situation. It really is an interesting situation, I mean, because it, when you think about that, it they're grown men playing, and they played against high school kids, like some of them maybe f- even fifteen, and they still got absolutely destroyed and also uh bishop sycamore's head coach uh got yeah he got fired like the day after the game happened he he had an arrest warrant for real yeah i didn't even see that that's crazy um but apparently like espn did not do their research on this because well they took their word for it they did they had zero players bishop sycamore told espn that they had multiple players with multiple Power 5 D1 offers. They had and zero they players with offers. At, they did have players with offers, but not, good offers. not, not like super huge offers. Right. And then uh, also, apparently they've been doing this for like three years. And two in the past two years, they went 0-8. Really? Yeah. And then um, – so apparently there was a school that was created in Colum- in Columbus. It was called Christians of Faith Academy, and it was basically the exact same thing. Hmm. It was like, uh, and also their head coach of Bishop Sycamore was the head coach of this same team. It was the exact same thing that happened. Yeah, it was a very Weird thing, and they didn't, and it was like the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, it's online school, all this stuff. They don't think anyone learned it. They don't think there was actually any schooling. There was no physical address. Like, it was just, it's just a whole weird situation that ESPN let that slip by. Like, they didn't contact any schools in the area to see what had happened or all this stuff. Like, after this game happened, the governor of Ohio opened an investigation. Over what, over like if the school actually exists. 
They weren't they weren't in any databases. So yeah. I mean, it, they, it was a big mystery. It's so weird. What's also interesting is that Kevin Hart is coming out with a documentary on a this. A documentary. Yes. He announced he's doing a documentary about Bishop Sycamore. Really? That might be the most boring documentary ever. That like I like after the last dance, everyone said they're gonna do a documentary. There's gonna be there's gonna be a Clay Thompson documentary. There's gonna be like all these other documentaries. Bishop Sycamore documentary. No one like people will watch that, but just to see how dumb like the situation is with that school. I don't think we'll be hearing much more from Bishop Sycamore unless it's like unless somehow they go on to play like some other random school and get destroyed again. We will not be hearing from Bishop Sycamore again. No. And we will not be hearing from us for the rest of this episode. No. That is where we're going to end it. It's been fun. It's been good to have Jonah back. Thank you all, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week or whenever we get bored. <laughs>